The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. He said to them in reply, An evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it, except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And there is something greater than Jonah here. At the judgment, the queen of the south will arise with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Night number two, you came back and we gained some friends. That's good. I didn't scare you off. If you're wondering who the young guy is in this sanctuary, not Father Augusti, but uh, behind me is seminarian Christopher French. He is going into his senior year of college seminary for the Diocese of Owensboro. He studies where I went to college seminary at Bishop Simon Brute College Seminary in Indianapolis, Indiana, and he's a parishioner from Holy Spirit in Bowling Green, so the other parish in town besides my parish. But it's good to have Christopher here with us this evening. Last night, we discussed the need we have in our world to be receptive to the Lord in order to reject the lie that Satan gives us. Satan, of course, gives us that lie of busyness, of worldliness, so that we are unable to hear the voice of the Lord clearly as he speaks to us. When Satan fills our time with his noise and busyness of having to do everything, then our time that we give to God disappears, and we get stuck in the muck of sin. So we need to be receptive. We need to be silent. We need to sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus in prayer, just as Mary did. In the midst of a world of being a Martha and doing what needs to be done, we have to grow in the balance between work and prayer. Silent prayer so that we might hear our Lord's voice more clearly. This generation seeks a sign, but there is something greater than Solomon here. Everyone loves a good show. We love a little spark of magic here and there, being entertained and not quite knowing exactly what we just experienced. When I was in the second grade in Beatrice, Nebraska, I had a side job. In addition to being a world-class secret spy, I was a magician for hire. Now, I could easily pull a rabbit or two out of my hat, but my special performance that the people had come to witness came from a cardboard box with two fake legs that my dad had helped me construct. It was my best friend Morgan's birthday party, and while she was my assistant, her little sister was the only one small enough to fit inside that cardboard box, and thus she was the lucky one able to be hacked in half. As her sister slid into the box, I helped push those fake legs out the other end, then holding my plastic butcher knife aloft, I brought it down with a slash. No screaming, I just had to make it look real. 
And then as I pulled the box apart, the crowd clapped to see that I had indeed sliced Morgan's sister in two. They loved a magic show, or at least my second grade self thought so. The people enjoyed the spectacle. They enjoyed the shock and the awe. There was something about it that they were drawn to, even if it was something childish, foolish, and odd. This generation seeks a sign, but there is something greater than Solomon here. Friends, you know as well as I know that the show I gave for my friend's birthday party wasn't really that big of a deal. But what about other shows, other signs and wonders that exist within our world? We look for them everywhere. Auntie Hattie's Elixir Cures All, and it can be yours for $19.95. God, if only I could see three green cars in the next five minutes, then I'll go to church on Sunday. The bearded ladies at the circus, the buy one, get one sale at the shoe store, the signs that the pandemic is over, signs of an incoming recession, the signs that directed you to come to a stop before turning on to Highway 54 on your way here this evening, the robins that come around showing that spring is on its way. Signs serve a purpose for us in life. And thus, not everything sign-related is just for entertainment. They can help us to drive, they lead the way, point out things we might otherwise miss. Signs help us to enjoy life, but they can also have a negative connotation. Because let's face it, truthfully, you and I are just like the Pharisees and the scribes in our relationship with the Lord at times. We continually ask him to give us a sign. Do this for me, and I'll do this in return for you. Heal my son, or I'll never come back to church. Show me a sign that you are truly present here with me now, God. Let me know your love, your presence in my life. Let me get this job, this house. We barter and we trade as we wheel and deal with signs of God's interaction with us, his creation. We look for signs. We beg for signs, but no sign will be given this generation except the sign of Jonah the prophet. One of my favorite people that live within my parish boundaries is also one of my least favorite people. I've never met her, and with good reason. You see, Bianca is a witch. Bianca gets a lot of business, though. And because of Bianca's business, Father Corey, in turn, also gets a lot of business. Bianca reads tarot cards and does other occult practices, things which the church forbids for good reason, things which open us up to the lie that this world alone can give us something that we need without God's help, when in reality, it can't. And so people go down and they visit Bianca's little brick house all the time. She's your friendly neighborhood witch, you know. She runs specials and has Santa and Turkey blow-up figures around the holidays. She's friendly. She knows how to sell her product. And when people start to come to visit Bianca more than once, she does something very interesting. She can't help them. She can't fix what she's done. Because when these people open the door to the signs of Satan, there's only so much that she can do. So she sends them our way. She says, you obviously have something demonic in your life now. What you need to do is to go down to St. Joseph Catholic Church, ask them for some holy water and a rosary, Ask for help with the priest. Ask him to pray with you. Don't tell them I sent you, but go do that. Do whatever the priest says and it will work out. And so these sign-seeking, pagan, non-church-going poor souls that have gotten wrapped up in this search for false signs come and knock on my office door. Father, I'm supposed to ask you to bless this gallon jug of water for me, and I also need a rosary. I have a demon in my life. 
Knowing, though, that there are strange people in this world, I always ask for a little bit more background, especially when I don't know them, and they're quite obviously not even parishioners, let alone Catholics. Then the story begins. I was just trying to get in contact with my deceased mother. I was searching for love. I was trying to find a way to stop my husband from drinking so much. I was trying to get a new job. But now, there's always a but. But now there's something wrong. I can't explain it, but I feel as if there's a shadow over my life. Nothing seems right. Just, Father, can't you bless this jug of water so I can sit it on my kitchen table and all will be well? So then we have a moment for a little bit of catechesis, a little bit of kerygma, as I share that sitting a jug of holy water on your table is not going to do anything. You need to be living a sacramental life. They need to be going to church to read the scriptures, to pray each day. Bianca, my friendly neighborhood, 50% off which, sends me a lot of business. But sadly, she also leads people astray as they seek a sign. When that sign has already been given them, and if they recognized and followed that sign present in their midst, they'd be better off in the first place. There is something greater than Solomon here. If we could place a sign over the doors of this church that read something besides St. Mary Magdalene, it should read, there is something greater than Solomon here. There is something greater than Jonah here. In fact, there is someone greater than Solomon or Jonah or anyone or place you'd like to name here in this church. Protestants have it wrong. Some Catholics also have it wrong. They say that the church is the people, not the building. And while that's a nice sentiment, we do need our church buildings as much as we need the people in the pews. We need beautiful church buildings, not some Star Trek spaceship in the round where you have to pray to St. Anthony to find the lost tabernacle in the corner behind the ferns. No, we need church buildings that show and teach and proclaim what we are and what we do as Christian people. We need steeples that climb to the sky, ceilings and art that lift our minds and hearts, beauty unlike our homes, our living rooms, or shopping malls, because we need beauty to inspire us and to remind us that even for the one who has the least in life, even for the poorest of the poor, everyone owns a small piece of their parish church. As the body of Christ, we need churches to house the body of Christ. We need churches that show us that we are a Eucharistic people, to proclaim to the world around us that there is something important here, someone important here, that the building is important, but only so much as in the building leads us closer to him. But we've lost that. Our culture and our world has run far away from that idea that churches are important. Following the Second Vatican Council, Several of the documents on the sacred liturgy discuss the building of new churches. They focus on the celebration of the Mass, things like ensuring that one can walk all around the altar for insensations, that the celebrant's chair and the ambo are of worthy construction. But unfortunately, like so much with the Council, the interpretation of them has separated what we celebrate from whose body and blood are confected in that celebration. We've overcorrected, as we often do, and in many ways, we focus more on the people instead of the sacrifice we gather to offer. The past, past three popes have spoken often about this for us. So often in the church, we hear the community at prayer, the people gathered. Okay, that's nice and all, but why are those people gathered in the first place? 
Why does that community come to gather in prayer? They're not there to navel gaze and to stare at themselves and worship themselves. They're not there for coffee and donuts after mass or just to listen to the homily. They're not there to worship Father so-and-so and how great of a presider he is because he makes them feel as a community of love, service, and justice and that all are welcome. No, these people come and are gathered there to proclaim Jesus Christ crucified, died, and risen. They're there to offer themselves in a loving sacrifice with those simple gifts of their livelihood, the simple gifts of bread and wine. They're there to join themselves in the offering in prayer and to receive the living bread come down from heaven to feed them. Friends, we are a Eucharistic people. We are focused in our worship and prayer on the source and the summit of our faith. We're not Protestants. You don't find a podium or an ambo center stage in a Catholic church. You find the altar. You find a sign of sacrifice. And if you're lucky, you find a shiny gold tabernacle right behind it, reminding you of whose house, whose temple this is. Protestants, because of their loss of a sacramental faith, have to cling to the only thing that they still have. And they don't even have the full canon of it, the Bible. They've lost what it means to be a sacramental people. But they're not alone, because we, brothers and sisters, at times have also lost what it means to be a sacramental people. We've lost that wonderful Baltimore Catechism definition of a sacrament, an outward and visible sign instituted by Christ, to give grace. We, friends, have lost how we live out our baptismal call to be a visible sign to our world, claimed by Christ to bring God's grace to his people. We've lost what it means to be a sign, to be a people marked with the blood of the Lamb. Sure, everyone knows who the Catholics are on Ash Wednesday, but if that's the only day that they know us, what's the point in that? Your baptism has claimed you for the Lord Jesus Christ, Your confirmation sealed those gifts of the Holy Spirit in you in a very real, very personal way. And yet, how many of us can say that what we did today bore witness to Christ and brought God's grace into our world? How many of us, if we look at our day, how many of us, when we go out to bless our food in public, make the sign of the cross? How many of us, when our children and our friends cease coming to church, ask them when we see them, have you thought about coming home? We miss you. Why did you stop going? Is there something I can do to help you reconnect? How many of us would risk our relationships, our lives, our friendships for the Lord by inviting one of his lost sheep to come back home? Are we a visible sign of God's grace within our world? Or do we run away and live our faith out like so many of our churches where you can't tell if it's a social hall or something consecrated? and set apart for the worship of Almighty God. Friends, you were consecrated. At your baptism, at your confirmation, you were consecrated and set apart to worship Almighty God, to bear witness to God, to be assigned to our fallen world. But it's hard to live that out. One of my least favorite statements that makes me shudder when people say it all the time is, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. God came to found a community, but not build a church building. Friends, that's a bunch of baloney. In a world where we constantly cancel everything and anything, where we forgive nothing, where we cast out the sinner repeatedly instead of welcome them home and help them find healing and repentance, we have a lot of people disgusted with the idea of organized religion. 
But friends, if we know and believe why this church building exists here in Sargo, Kentucky, if we take our Lord at his word to Peter that the gates of hell will never prevail, then the sins of the church members can have no merit. We're human. We all fall at time. We can't give power to the sin by letting it keep us from the Lord. Because when we give power to sin, when we say that something wrong that someone else did is going to keep us from coming to the Lord, keep us from receiving, from adoring, from being in his presence, friends, we let Satan win. We let sin win. God, though, has come to call the fallen. God took on our humanity. He dove headfirst into the ditch with us as we lay here, beaten and robbed and abused by the sin and by our world. And as we sought varied signs instead of the one true sign, as we, ignored by, as we are ignored by all those who walk along the road, Christ Jesus dove into that ditch with us and he raised us up. He bathed our wounds He carried us to the inn of the church, to the sacrament of confession, of healing, and he makes us whole again. And then here in the church, here he feeds us with his very self. Here in the inn of the church, Christ gives us not bread or wine of this life that will simply pass away, but he gives us his very self. He has given us the ultimate sign, the ultimate sacrament, because it doesn't just point to him. Rather, friends, it is him. This generation seeks a sign, but there is something greater than Solomon here. Friends, the whole reason this church building exists is to point each of us closer to the Lord. It exists to cry out every time that the bell rings, every time the lamb is offered, every time that the people gather in prayer, to cry out that we are a Eucharistic people. That God did not leave us orphans, but that the transfigured, resurrected, glorified Christ still feeds us with his body and blood, still is present to us so that you and I might become more and more like him. So we might desire the will of the Father. So we might burn within our hearts with the love of the Spirit so that you and I might become saints. That we might live within that Trinitarian community of love and worship our God forever and ever. There's something greater than Solomon here indeed, but we have to recognize it. We have to live it. We have to live who we receive, live he whom we adore. So I wonder, how are we living as a sign of the grace of God in our world this day? If someone looks at you, will they know that you are a Christian? Will they know that you are a Eucharistic people? Or will they think that you're just some grouchy old man or sassy young lady who's bitter at life? We live in a world searching for signs, and they keep coming up. People keep choosing clouded versions of the sign, faint traces of the truth. So tonight, as we continue to sit here at the feet of our Lord, as we continue to be receptive to his word, to his presence within our midst, what is he inviting you and I, friends, to do? How is he inviting us to change our lives, to be converted, to change how we act and speak so that when others see us, they encounter real joy, they encounter love, they encounter visible signs of God's grace in our world who lead them back here, here to the most beautiful building in Sargo, here to the temple of the Most High God, here to the tabernacle, here to the altar, the place where God calls his people to gather in prayer to offer simple gifts of bread and wine. So that through the power of his spirit, 
he might transform them, and in doing so, he might transform us to be a people who point to him, just as his mother pointed to him at the wedding at Cana. This generation seeks a sign, but there is something greater than Solomon here, and no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Friends, that sign is here. He's present here within our midst, but we must recognize him. We must live him. So stop searching. Stop running to all the wrong places looking for happiness or pleasure or wealth. You seek a sign, and you've come to him. He has given to you daily upon this altar. Behold here the sign. Behold here the Son. Behold here the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world.